Hello everyone, I'm your host Patrick, and welcome back to another episode of Not Adding Up. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever Solved with a Grain of Salt episode. Along with me, I have two former co-hosts, one of which has been here pretty recently. (laughs) Can we guess who it is? Hey, guys. It's Abby. (laughs) Abby and... Hey, guys. It's Johnny. Yeah, but that was... Unintelligible, and it went off the it went off the charts on. The- <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. I'm a little excited to be here. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody's excited for Me the too. first ever salt solved with a grain of salt episode. I know you don't even know what that is, but because you don't keep up with the podcast. Fuck you. But <laughs> she's like, "Well, I'm here, ain't I?" It, yeah. Well, I share your post. Tell her what it means. For those of you. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, solved with a grain of salt cases are cases that are largely solved, but there is still something that doesn't add up about them. So I'm going to cover them. They're not going to be weekly, but I'm just going to throw them in every once in a while as a little bonus episode. Like on your Patreon? No. For everybody. So this case is the disappearance of Robert Wykow. Robert Wykow was 65 years old when this case begins in 1996. It seems like Robert went by Bob to most of his friends, so that's how I'm going to refer to him in this episode. Bob was living in Burien, Washington, a Seattle suburb where he had lived in the early 90s. <laughs> John, you're so concentrated. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot forget! <laughs> this is like our fourth time recording this part because Johnny keeps asking location like 30 seconds into it so that's what that was bob was an illinois native however he did not always live in seattle area johnny okay (laughs) bob had a daughter grandchildren and an ex-wife who were all living in illinois i think they were living around chicago he had one daughter yeah seems like one daughter it was known that bob and his wife were working to patch things up at the time of his disappearance but it's not known how close they were to doing so. It's just known that they were still talking. He would wear a reminder of his ex-wife, a large diamond ring, all the time. He would wear it? Mm-hmm. He like wore... a female diamond ring? No. No. <laughs> I mean, it was just, just a diamond like... ring. Okay. It was just a diamond ring. Just a manly one. Just a manly diamond ring. <laughs> I don't think we have to gender rings. I mean, was it like an engagement ring? Like, yeah, I like, think was what, it their engagement ring? No, I, I think it was from their marriage, but it was not. It wasn't her Hers. engagement ring? No. I'm okay. sure she took it, no, it was with def- her. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Maybe she threw it out on Yeah, true. No, they were good. Good terms. They oh, left yeah, good terms? Seems like it. Bob was a retired sheet metal worker, but throughout his life, he wore many hats. Pipeline worker, restaurant owner, and most importantly, a great friend and father. In his spare time, Bob enjoyed buying vintage cars, fixing them up, and selling them for profit. He was also an avid hunter who traveled across the world for the sport. Was he a poacher? What? What? Is he a poacher? That's yeah. I was thinking like he went to Africa. He went to Argentina and Russia. Is the two places mentioned? Not Africa or 
It said Argentina and Russia. Okay, Argentina. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think it would be reported or... if it was an illegal activity. What? I'm like, Pablo Escobar and people like that, there's so much reported criminal history on them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna compare a like <laughs> a sixty-five-year-old man going on vacation and poaching to a like drug cartel lord. What do you mean? Is this the guy? That, the whole we case is yet. about him. But is it about? Is he? It's the disappearance of Robert Wykell. Oh, okay. okay, okay. It's a disappearance. Yeah. Did you say disappearance at yeah. any point prior to this? I did. Did you? Yeah. Oh, do you remember <laughs> that? No. I said okay. this case is the disappearance of Robert Wykell. Yeah, yeah, I know he probably said that, but... <sighs> <laughs> this is really cute, though. Okay, Bob would meet at a local McDonald's every morning and talk with a fellow... With a group of fellow retired men over cute. coffee and breakfast. I'm like, that's what I want to do when I'm old. That is really cute. Go to that's McDonald's every morning for some cafe. It was probably not McDonald's. What? It said it said McDonald's. <laughs> My pappy used to go to McDonald's every morning. Yeah, why do you question that, Abby? Why would I say McDonald's if I didn't say McDonald's? I just thought you were like, I'm gonna go. I want to go to McDonald's. Like, I don't make up facts like that. <laughs> I don't know who you think I am. I no. That would be making I'm up location. I'm not even gonna explain all this. You're like, I don't believe it. <laughs> but the breakfasts were cute. So let's zoom in on February of 1996. The month would begin like any other for Bob. He was looking forward to his daughter's wedding in June, for which he had volunteered to make an ice sculpture for, a new hobby he would have to master by the time of the wedding. Dang, well that's pretty cool. I know. He was also excited to help his grandson fix up an old car over the summer. If you can't tell, Bob is never bored. He is constantly busy. Good friend and neighbor, John, would say of Bob, quote, he was always working on at least two projects at a time. He was out there from morning to night. Bob was passionate about cars, so much so that he would frequently carry cash on him and offer it to people on the spot. Clearly very outgoing, he would strike up a conversation with anyone and everyone, especially if that conversation had to do with cars. But like he just didn't like to use credit cards, he was a cash man. I feel like that's pretty common with some older people. On top of the breakfast meetups, Bob would meet once a week with a group of his buddies and play poker. Something that was not his strong suit, apparently, but he still loved the good time spent with his friends. So on February, so there are like two dates reported for this. I, I think the poker game took place on the 21st of February, 1996. This was the last poker game that they would have with Bob. Bob would tell the group that he was finally going to purchase a 1950s T-Bird, which was a favorite car of his. He, however, expressed frustration over how long the deal was taking, and even embarrassment at the fact that he had placed $1,000 as a down payment on the vehicle before even seeing it. But his buddies would never see him again following this poker game. It is noted that it wasn't uncommon for Bob to go on day trips to buy a car. However, as days turned into weeks, his friends and family began to worry. He would normally keep in pretty constant contact with his daughter, who was growing concerned in Illinois. John would be collecting his mail for him, and on March 13th, his suspicions would grow as he got a letter for Bob informing him that his car had been impounded at a local park and ride. This was alarming for a few reasons. 
the park and ride was just a few blocks away from his house, so he would have typically walked there if he was meeting somebody there to buy a car. If he did drive, he definitely wouldn't have driven the car, which he did. This was his prized Mercedes-Benz, which he wouldn't like to leave in the park and ride for an extended period of time. The car was also just seen in the lot a few days prior for the first time, but he had been missing for weeks at this point. This is March 13th. I think the last sighting of him was the 23rd. Oh. February. So somebody put his car there. Definitely. Or he did, but where is he? Why do you think someone put his car there? Hmm? Why do you think someone might have put his car I mean, I can't there? answer that question because I'm... At Johnny, you answer that question. I'm like, I know why they put the car there. What? what? Me answer that I question? thought he might have put it there. And then, or he drove it to the parking ride and then something happened to him. What am I... What? I'm supposed to answer why he went to the parking ride? How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just your fucking thoughts. Somebody put it there. I mean, that's you, you said it already. You think someone put it there? Or you think he did? He oh. Abby's just trying to make podcast conversation. And you're being a bitch. Oh. <laughs> well, listen, I'm trying to take it in so I don't forget anything. Um, uh, if it wasn't noticed for a while, I feel like somebody probably put it there. I don't think he put it there. Yeah, where would be? He's found. I mean, he's the way you said disappearance. You said it was a soft I, case. Well, he said he was gonna buy a. He was gonna go buy a car, so like, what if they met up in that parking lot? That's what I was thinking. But they just got there a few days before. The car. Mm-hmm. Oh. But his, his son John, whoever that is, his, his son, friend. His friend his said neighbor. that he wouldn't have taken his car, that car, to meet up mm-hmm. for something like that. So. Oh, okay. And like, hmm. foul play at home, and that car was taken, or did he take that car somewhere else, not expecting to leave it? I don't understand why anybody would want to leave that car in a parking ride either. Mm, yeah. Prior to getting the mail about his car, John had tried filing a missing persons report, but Bob had the right to disappear. And there was no suspect, like there was no reason to believe any foul play. Until the impounding of the car, which was enough to warrant further investigation. The day after he gets the letter, John is able to track down Bob's family and inform them of the investigation. His daughter would leave the very next day to drive to Burien from her home in Illinois. They investigated and they found no fingerprints in the vehicle. However, they did find his empty wallet, which was known to have $5,000 in cash, which he planned to use to purchase the T-Bird. Detectives went into his residence to find food rotting on the counter, dishes in the sink, and luggage still in the home. It was clear he planned on returning and was not on a trip. And if he was on a trip, he didn't take his luggage. They also look into the potential for a hunting accident to have occurred, but find little evidence to back this either. His passport records do not line up with any traveling, and his last bank account transaction was to withdraw the $5,200, which was for the T-Bird. The most important thing about this car transaction was a mystery. What? The (laughs) most important thing about this car transaction is a mystery? What's the most important thing about it? Like, what do we need to know? Oh. So what I was getting at is who is selling the car? How are we supposed to know? That's what we need to know in the investigation. Oh. That's what police need to know. Okay. That's the most important question. The mystery. Yeah. So, he could have found it in the newspaper. Huh? How do people have firebirds around? T-birds? Thunderbirds. Firebirds? Firebirds? I thought it was firebirds. Is it a car? It's a Thunderbird. Old 
fifties. Thunderbird. <laughs> they're from the nineteen fifties, are they? Yeah, he, he, they said it was nineteen fifty. Yeah. T bird. Yes. Is it a thunderbird? Thunderbird is short. <laughs> Oh, it's the nickname. Man, I'm all for this case. <gasps> so who was selling the T-Bird? You have to remember that Bob was constantly doing these deals, so it was hard for friends to keep track of names. But when his daughter, Rebecca, would visit the McDonald's that Bob would go to every morning for coffee, she would learn of some very useful information. Rebecca learns that the group recently had a newcomer and this man was named Mike. Mike didn't really seem to fit in with the rest of the group, but was always just at the McDonald's around the same time they were, so he kind of just like nuzzled his way in and started talking to them, and they kind of just took him in. Because everybody's friendly, it's just a bunch of old friendly guys chatting okay. at McDonald's. That's what I was, I was wondering if... If all of those guys knew that this guy had offered to sell him the car, did the cops not talk to his friends? Didn't they say nobody knew anything about who the car came from. They obviously would have known. I think that it was kind of like a... They had to be reminded. Like, somebody had to ask them, like, again, because it was his daughter that came to breakfast and was like, is there anything, like, is there anything that can be of any use? And I think somebody might be like, oh, well, that Mike. And he was like, oh, wait, didn't Mike offer him to sell You know what I mean? I think they pieced it together. They didn't... They weren't positive. They just thought, they're like, okay, wait a minute. We think that Mike might have he's mentioned, new and we don't trust him yet. yeah he might have mentioned being able to help him with the t-bird but they were they didn't know if it was concrete but they did know that whenever bob disappeared so mike did mike mike disappeared yeah what yeah Crazy. Hmm. never came to mcdonald's again but they didn't know his last name or where he lived like, what he mike. Like, though. what he yeah like? yeah but the group would have a light bulb moment when they realized they signed a card for the manager about a month ago. And they looked at the card, and sure enough, Mike had signed his last name. Wynn. Mike Wynn. Wynn? Yeah, W-Y-N-N. With a full name to go off, Rebecca would take this to police. Oddly enough, before police could contact Mike, Mike got in touch with Rebecca. Okay, he's already... When you put yourself out there like that, like, you already look shady. Okay, that's like, this is one of the biggest but, things that, like, doesn't make sense to me because... What did he say? He explains that he is very concerned about Bob. He just got back into town and had heard what happened, and he wanted to help. They always want to help. He also said that her father was traveling, mentioning a car auction in California. Wait, he said what? Mike said that Rebecca's father was traveling, and he mentioned a car auction in California. He said that to Rebecca... And that's where he was? And that's where Bob apparently was. Yeah. But nobody else knew about this. He, no Bob one, didn't tell this he to just anybody else. made that shit up. Mm-hmm. But he said he was worried before that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm worried about Bob. He's in a car auction. But he's not back yet. Oh my god. I want to help. No, you want to make things worse. Mike. Needless to say, this was suspicious to his friends and family. Oh yeah, definitely. Wayne told detectives that he had not seen Bob since breakfast on February 20th. He also claimed that there was no discussion of any park car purchases. The police brought up the fact that the other men at breakfast told them that they had overheard that a car deal being made. So Mike said, hmm, actually, I raked the old brain, racked the brain, raked the brain, and yes, we did have a deal. 
It just didn't work out. It didn't go through. Fell through. Background check. <laughs> background check time. So they did a background check, and this reveals that Mike has a criminal past with drug trafficking and violence against women. Mike also had several aliases that he would use. Myron seems to be his legal name. Myron? M-Y-R-O-N. Mike would lie to his ex-girlfriend every day, saying that he was going to work, but he was actually going to the McDonald's. <laughs> chatting it up with all his buddies. That's Definitely a con man. An interesting place to be a con man, con nurse. During the period leading up to this discovery, Mike would make calls to Bob's voicemail, and they stood out for a few reasons. Unlike everyone else's, they didn't show any increasing concern. He even left a fake message acting like he was returning a call of Bob's. This guy don't don't know how to, to his home phone? commit a crime. Even though Bob... Home phone? <laughs> home phone? Oh, yeah, he would never have to solve that. 1996? Yeah. That's even though he knew or he thought Bob was supposedly at this thing. In California? Yeah. Police would ask him to come in for a polygraph, and he gave several excuses. One of which was being a dentist appointment. He had a dentist appointment to go to. And detectives, like, waited outside the dentist's office. He never went inside. They went inside. They were like, did this guy have an appointment? He said, we don't even know who that is. He's not even on the roster. But he drove to the police? No, but the detective did. Oh, okay. I thought Mike was S- out in the parking lot. Psychological lab, no. Sociological. Pathological. Pathological. Why can't we get these? Uh... Pathological liar. He is definitely seeming like a pathological liar, Mike. The police look into Mike's phone records and find what could be the first break in the case. So, there's a. This is one of the points where, like, the facts are a little shaky. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was confused about earlier, like, February 21st or 23rd. But on February 20th, and this is saying, like, the day before. Bob disappeared, but like shortly before Bob disappeared, the day before, two days before, like right before he disappeared, yeah. Mike would make a call to Mother Nature Acres, which was a RV park with woods and trails located in Yelm, which was in Thurston County, and this was owned by Mike's family. When they found out Mike had made this call, detectives went to this RV park and they spoke with the employees, who said that they remembered Mike and Bob both coming to the park on the 23rd of February. Does the 23rd of February sound familiar? It's not Carver's friend. No, that's when he disappeared. But Mike also told me saw my breakfast on the 21st. 20th, yeah. Breakfast on the 20th. So this, this is a confusing part of it. The 21st seems like it was the poker game. And poker games were on Wednesday nights. It was a once-a-week thing. Oh, okay. And then he was, like, I think he disappeared on the 23rd because the the last sighting of him it, are these employees. Like, these are the last people that saw him because the poker game, it's like, they're not going to see him every day. Maybe they didn't. Like, maybe him not showing up to breakfast, like, they would have assumed, okay, he's on a day trip to get a car. And, like, this is normal. But when it was days passing and he didn't show up for the next week's poker game, then they were like, okay, shit. And then the the mail and the like police would, would come on let's but, do something just don't know why he was at that park like what he was doing there with him like actually we do okay. oh why mike told them that they were just killing some time before going to see a vehicle 
again. That he didn't mention well, before? The, well, this was like, detectives are learning this from the employees, not Mike. He's, this is what Mike was telling them that day. And they could tell that Bob was upset because there was like a holdup. Like, not like a robbery, but like a like, runaround. A runaround. Yeah. Let's go get the car. Like, like you're probably given... scamming me like at this point. I've given you $1,000. Like, let's go. But no, we're going to go to this camp that my family owns in the woods. And, where there's lots of places to hide things. I don't think he would have used the campground or as a place because, as we'll learn, as a place to dispose of any malicious materials or any bodies, mm-hmm. per se. Because, as we can see, like the first break in the case is coming from these employees, so obviously they're not out to protect him in any way, shape, or form. They're like, yep, he came here. <laughs> yep, he did this. And as we'll learn, his sister, who was the manager, I think... Um, she got more to say. Okay. Not right now, but she got more to say. Okay. So this was the last time he was seen alive, was by Mike's sister and some of her employees. Mm-hmm. He never told police about this. Mike didn't. Because they ne- remember, they never had a car deal, but when they did have a car deal, it fell through. He just lied a bunch of times. Yeah. So the police were like, alright, this shit's not adding up. We need to get Mike in here now. And on April 11th, they had a stroke of luck. So this stroke of luck was Mike being brought in for a traffic violation. However, he must have smelled that they were onto them, and he lawyered up and refused to be questioned. <sighs> he would then skip town. <laughs> so casual. And the case would go cold for three years. What? Three years? Just because they couldn't find him? Yep. Or find him. Or Bob. And knowing your information, like, they don't have any evidence other than the fact that apparently he's the last person to be seen with him. And it's not like we have like CCC, CCTV everywhere like we do now. But or what about tracking the violation. Traf- he got let go. It was probably like speeding or something. So you, you can't hold somebody for speeding. If you paid a ticket. Put a warrant out. For speeding. For put a warrant out for their license. Maybe in the area. Maybe in like their jurisdiction. I don't know. He moved to Texas. Like, that's a spoiler alert. But like Washington, Texas, far away. So this case would go cold until July of 1999. Rebecca said she felt like they had forgotten about her father's case until a new detective took over, John Holland. Holland had a much more aggressive attitude. They went to revisit Mike's sister at the RV park and ask her if she had anything to offer. And a matter of fact, she did. She said the last time she saw Mike was within the last year at a family reunion in Texas. She said something stood out to her about Mike. The commonly unemployed con man was wearing a large diamond on a pendant around his neck. She would have noticed this regardless, but he was certainly being flashy with his rock. Money. Huh? Money. Money. But also, it wasn't a ring, right? But it was a large diamond. Could have had it taken out of the ring. Mm -hmm. Well, I was thinking of that ring. So yeah, when you said the big diamond on his neck, that made me think of back in the beginning when you said the ring he wore on his finger. And he's showing it off now, I guess. Or it could mean that $5,000 is gone. He may, might have got himself some new bling ice. Bling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ice. But that's not. His diamond ring was never found. He was never found, but his diamond ring was never found. Probably not. Him being a con man, he probably knows all the right people that could take that diamond out and get it repurposed. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, true. His family reported that the ring was of a rare European cut, the diamond inside the ring. Mm-hmm. 
getting a hold of the diamond for testing could be useful. So they learned that Mike had sold the diamond to his aunt for $2,000. She was like sketchy about the situation too, but she was like, he just gave it to me and allowed me to live, and like I allowed him to live here. And then she was like, no, he gave me 2000 And then, yeah, she was just weird about it. I'm like, okay, whatever. She gave it to them for testing though. Long story short, yeah. It matched the European cut of Bob's ring. And it had many nicks and scratches consistent with wearing the ring while doing manual labor, like working on cars. So now they track down Mike, who is living in Texas. And they bring up another interview, and they talk about the diamond. And he said he found it in the park and ride lot. <laughs> okay, his story is just changing too much. What was he doing there? Parking and riding. <laughs> they told the detectives bluffed and they said well Bob's DNA was on that it's on that diamond yeah and then he was like oh that's because whenever I found it at the park and ride I immediately showed it to Bob and was like look at this diamond I just found something else that he left out of the investigation oh my god investigators still felt they did not have enough to convict Mike because they we don't have a body so they continued to work on the case during this time they would search for Bob's body around the campsite or the RV park where Mike could have disposed of it. That's where I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they found nothing. In September of 2003, seven years later, Bob's missing persons case was closed and he was legally declared dead. Because they could have bought him? Yeah, nobody. Makes me sad. Legally declared dead. The case would go cold again, this time for six years. However, investigators continued working on the case. It was not clear when this would come to light in the investigation, but a friend of Mike's would come forward with a very troubling tip. Seven years later? Yeah, dude, like... I don't know when they got the tip. I don't know when they got the tip. And I don't know when Mike's friend heard him say this. So I don't know how this came up in conversation, I guess just casually, just talking about sports or whatnot, but Mike would tell his friend, I guess about just killing Bob and quote that nothing's going to happen because they are not even looking in the right ballpark for the body. So Mike did kill him, he admitted to a friend of Mike. Like Mike admitted to his Mike's friend. friend, not a friend of Bob. Yeah, not a friend of Bob. One of Mike's friends. Okay. But he yeah. He was Originally in the group. You meant yes. Bob. Yeah. No, no. By February of two thousand and nine, still with no body. Mike was arrested on homicide suspicions, and in April of that year, he went to trial. He would continue to insist upon his innocence, and he was pressing on the possibility that Bob could have left and went to Argentina. Oh my gosh, when will this guy give it up? It's like, and at this point- you're caught, like just- Okay, but wait though, wait though, like, when will this guy give it up? But like, listen to what happens next. The first trial was actually declared a mistrial due to a hung jury. A what? A hung jury? Mm-hmm. What's that? It's like when you they uh, they couldn't uh, find a unanimous verdict. They couldn't do it. They were like hung on deciding. They, they couldn't get them all. Another trial came in 2011, but not without more complications. Allegations of juror misconduct emerged. A juror apparently had access to state evidence at one point in an elevator and two others apparently began deliberating about the case before it was submitted. Yeah, you can't, they can't be biased. They can't know anything about it. 
Once these jurors were replaced on April 6th, 2011, after a day of deliberation, Myron Wynn was found guilty and convicted to first-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Good. 15 years after his murder, Bob's killer is put in prison. That makes me mad. I don't want to talk. Wynn would go on to appeal his conviction. Not the conviction itself, but the fact that the robbery was connected to the murder, so he was going to negate the first-degree murder charge, saying that it wasn't aggravated, it wasn't like, I didn't have the intent. Because like with robbery, you have the intent to rob and murder, you know what I mean? It's, you have the intent there, but he was like, no, 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 no. It's just regular murder. It's just maybe second-degree. I, mean, <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I don't know what he was going for, but he got shot motherfucking down. No, 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 for you, Wynn. Wynn is currently located at the Washington Correctional Center. How old is he? How old was he? He was 60. He is 62, and his sentence will end in nine years when he is 71. And how old was he back then when they, in 96? So 15 minus 62 would be, like, in his 40s. 15. 15 years. 1996 to... To now? Oh, okay, I fucked up. I fucked up. You're right. He's, he's 62 right now. So I don't know. Why do you ask me that question already? I want to know I just, how old he, how younger he was than okay, other people. Me, 47. No, that's still not right. So, 62. Because they said he was younger in the group. He didn't fit in. 2022 minus 1996 is 26. 62 minus 26. He was 36. Okay, so yeah. Side note. There was misinformation on his Wikipedia page. Oh no. About the prison that he was located in and it hadn't been updated since 2016 and I updated it with the correct info. <gasps> I've always know. wanted to update a wiki. Because whenever I looked, I looked in the prison and he wasn't there and I like looked up Mike Wynn and then came up and I looked up Myron Wynn and it came up and he was moved. Oh, wow. Before anyone comes at me, I don't be using Wikipedia for most of my cases, okay? But this case was pretty small and 20 plus years old, so it's hard to find a good bit of sources. I don't care if people use Wikipedia. That's still good information. Most of the time. So, yeah, Mike is going to get out in nine years when he's 71. Nine years? That's not long enough. He was out for almost as long as his sentence. He was out after the yeah, crime for 15 years. Yeah, it's only going to be five more years. Mm -hmm. Did he win the appeal? No, 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 no. Good. Got shot down. That is all we have for the disappearance and murder of Robert Wykell. I I don't want, I wonder where the body is. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. What the fuck? And, he, and the fact that he said they're not even looking in the right ballpark. Like, does that mean right state? Where did he say he was at the auction again in the beginning? California. Before? That's far away. Well, from no, okay. Washington. Not from what? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still down, far because California. South. Yeah. It's a big state. Okay. That's probably where he hit it then. Hit him. I don't think it's that obvious. Maybe not. Could be a but joke himself. Yeah, maybe he was like, Haha, I told them that He's, and they could Oh, yeah, he went here. Yeah, he yeah, went that there. would be that's that would be my like, <laughs> That makes more sense to me is him saying California just to throw yeah. them off. Not him being like it's in California. Bob, I am so sorry you were taken out of this world by Mike's despicable actions. Your legacy will not be forgotten. Rest in peace. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Bob Wykell, please contact the King County Sheriff's Office, 206-296-3311. So how do we feel about the first ever 
solved with a grain of salt episode. Frustrating. That was really good. Like, Frustrating still. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm angry. I hate is... when people do that. I hate when they confess to everything, but no. And it's not where it is. It's like this is almost more frustrating because we have pieces. At least he got put in prison, though. You know what I mean? At least we have somebody put in prison for somebody with a lot of my cases. Yeah, we don't know if that. something bad happened or if they just disappeared. All of your cases are not solved. Or if bad things continue to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just like dumbfounded at where he could be. Um, it makes me wonder from the time he, the, the Mercedes Benz got put there, like what happened in between that and I just don't understand. Maybe cleaning out his DNA. Yeah, like... A likely place is maybe the ocean for his body. They're close. Yeah, because they're close to soon, like, you know. Not close, close, but close enough to, if you need to. Before I end this episode, I want to talk about something that sticks out to me so much. How the fuck did Mike know to call Rebecca when he did? How the fuck did he know that? Who tipped him? Was there somebody at the McDonald's breakfast? Like, how the fuck would he have known? All of this time passes, he does not reach out to anybody, and the second that Rebecca Rebecca goes to the police, he comes out? No, somebody had to tell him. Somebody had to tell him. Somebody yeah. else... That makes me wonder, is it more suspicious why he joined the group, too? Like, oh, yeah, there a bigger the reason why he joined the group, what do you mean? Like, I... is there somebody else in the group that oh. knows... That, that's what I'm getting at. That's like, what I'm yeah. getting at. That invited him to the group and was like, hey, I know this guy, you know. Yeah, you, that's absolutely mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Like, it's a tag team and I was just getting scotch-free. I wish they looked into the friends more, too. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're dirty. Like, the only reason that any of them could be dirty is, like, how how did he find out? How did Mike find out? That's the only reason how any of his friends at the group could have looked dirty. Because other than that, they all, um, they all helped. They were all the people who were ringing the alarm bells when he didn't show up to the poker game they were like where the fuck is bob or maybe whenever she did start coming around and asking about like things going on they thought about that and they're like yeah wait a minute let's call bob and ask him like just try and verify for ourselves and what maybe whenever the daughter came and asked they were like yeah wait a minute and then one of them was just like yeah let's try and call him see where he's at not bob but mike Try and call Bob, mike and see what, what he's doing where he's been like they didn't have his oh they didn't have his contact no. information no, they were all very like Mike is weird, and they were all like they were weirded out by Mike, and they were weirded out by the fact that Mike zeroed in on Bob. Okay. For the car thing, he but was. One like, of them was more than likely lying. I that. that's that wasn't in any articles. That wasn't like a theory mentioned online. I was just like, how the fuck could he have figured it out? Also, in his Connor's mind, he thought, okay, I can scam this how old did he man. Get her number. That's also the thing I was gonna. All of it. It was he called her hotel, her hotel room. What? She was staying at a hotel because we don't have cell phones. This is 1996. Who did she, he know that knew this? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, how did he know he had a sister? Like, how did he know she just got there? Thank you. Why was she not more sketched out about the fact that he called her at her hotel? I mean, I'm sure she was. That's weird. She was sketched out about a lot of things. Like, oh, was okay. she was mad that it wasn't being investigated. She was like, it didn't really go into how they felt about the police um, handling the situation. It did say that, like, since he was an adult, he had the right to go missing. But whenever they had the suspicious activity with his car, is that was warrant. And his his family had no clue what was going on until that point. Till Mike butted himself in. No, until like the thirteenth, when uh, John, his neighbor, found the the impound. The imp- yeah. yeah, and then she came out, and then 
she, after she came out, she would, a few days after that, she would go to breakfast, and then after she went to breakfast, find the last name, go to the police, and then before police could find Mike, Mike found her. Weird. And he lied his ass off. To police and her and everybody. Yeah. So yeah, that's weird. I hate Mike. That's fucking weird. Who the fuck tipped Mike off? Also, the sister was like, I'm snitching on you right here and then. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> what that's I'm glad, it, though. Yeah. She told them the information. Like, it know, seems like, and this is very... Didn't, she didn't cover it up. This is very presumptuous of me. So, I, I don't know. But, obviously, if they had an RV park, like, some, some of the family has money. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And Those make good money. Her, his aunt was being very weird like yeah i don't like that his and her interactions made it seem like maybe there's a part of the family that is very wealthy and then there's like a part of the family that's kind of like the black sheeps of the family and mike is definitely a black sheep and his sister is not and she's like yeah he's fucking sketchy and he was here of course we remember him here because every time he comes here he's weird you know what i mean like the second she saw him with the diamond she was like um interesting (laughs) yeah did you start a job with um me, like, trying to think of a corporation that was successful <laughs> in 1996. <laughs> I know, I was gonna, think Google of. was the first one that came to mind, but then I was like, it's probably not. Yeah, it was still working out of the Did you say like Google? Then. I said Walmart. Well, Walmart, Walmart was right. Was, Walmart would have been it. Walmart yeah. was the thing that came with? Yeah. Yes. Walmart. 96? Listen, I don't remember it being big until oh, it was. Oh, it was. Like, it was. Walmart, you weren't alive! They had the McDonald's. I being big until I was, like, seven. They have McDonald's and they have... Lobster tank. That's crazy. They are big. That's crazy to me. Walmart has always been a staple of my life. No, I don't remember. <laughs> have you guys always had super, super new supermarts? Yeah. Um, oh, maybe it's because like you're progressing. That was a wild ride. Def- definitely a wild ride. If you want to tell me how you feel about the case, give me not really room for theory. I guess there is. Like, how the fuck did Mike get in contact? Like, let me know what you I think. I do not think that. Let me know. You think something else going on? Where you think his body is? Mm-hmm. Get in the convo. And you can do that by finding me on Instagram at podcastnau. That is at podcastnau. What was that, Abby? At podcastnau. Johnny, did you catch that? Hey, it's at <laughs> podcastnau okay, on so. Instagram and, and TikTok. And TikTok. And, and I'm not adding up and Facebook on Instagram. Yeah, you guys are wrong. <laughs> Abby was kind of right. Okay, on TikTok, <laughs> you can find me not adding up. I actually got, like, I'm, I'm like, in trouble with TikTok. I'm scared. What? No. Because I got, like, my third video flagged because I had a picture of a gun. <gasps> and it's, like, your account being like, monitored. Okay, well, give us a list of guidelines because I need uh, to know what does, we can post. <laughs> it does give us guidelines, but, yeah. No one reads it. Facebook and TikTok, not adding up. Find me there before I get kicked off. disclaimer (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed the first ever solved with a grain of salt episode and I hope you tune in again soon for another case that kind of adds up but doesn't but kind of does yeah solved with a grain of salt you know